the practice that we started uh, a while back, maybe it was in January, we're, we're going to have someone pray over our time of getting into the Word, so I've asked Matt to do that for us this morning. Even though he can't lay hands on me, that's still okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning uh, looking for your hope in a time where uh, there's a lot of darkness and fear and worry in the world. We come to you to be in your word and just to see your message of hope. Please let the Holy Spirit speak through Pastor Steve and come into our hearts and minds. And we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a little bit different week for me. I get to preach to a few people. Uh, there's two people sitting way over on the left-hand side, one person way back there, someone in the sound booth, and a couple people scattered around over here. It's different, and I miss the other way, when we could all be together, and I pray that someday we would be able to do that again. This is the final sermon in a series on the Holy Spirit. We've done the entire Holy Spirit series apart from one another, and I guess that's okay. That's what we need to be doing. And what we're going to be doing uh, this morning is looking at perhaps a, a very familiar passage. But one of the things I want to say uh, before we get to that passage is that I've been using some material from Presbyterian Reformed Ministries International as we've been going through this series. It's, it's some great material that helps us uh, from a re- Reformed perspective uh, know who the Spirit is, and how He normally works. And so I just wanted to give credit where credit is due that some of their work has been a part of this series. As we've been working through this series, we've been looking at various parts of Scripture. We started in the Old Testament at creation, and it was really looking at the Spirit as someone who was breathing life into people. The Spirit... Uh, as a part of God, helping to create life. And and then what we saw as we walked through the Old Testament is we saw that the Spirit at different points in time would come upon people. We looked at the uh, the book of uh, Judges and, and how in different points in time, the judges would have the Spirit come upon them and they'd be able to do things that they would normally not be able to do on their own. And then again, we saw how the prophets were where the Lord would send the Spirit upon prophets so that the prophets may speak the Word of God. And then we read about a promise. A promise that one day the Spirit would dwell in each and every one of us. And then two weeks ago, we saw that come to fruition. We looked at the book of John chapter 20 and Jesus Himself breathed the Spirit into the disciples. And the main purpose of the Spirit being within us is to, to work through sanctification, that our life would continually be transformed day after day more into the image of God. And, and that's what Pastor Joel brought to us last week. And now we come to a, a fairly familiar piece of Scripture, perhaps it is to you. We go to Acts chapter 2 and the Spirit falls upon the disciples. And after we read this, we might have a few questions, and hopefully we'll be able to address those. Let's read this passage today. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. That's where we're going to close our reading of the Word this morning. As I was studying this passage, it became apparent to me that words are important. Understanding what words mean and how uh, they should be interpreted is a key of understanding any text. I'll give you an example with one word, but it's, it's multiple different words in Greek. The word love. Say three things. I love Emily, my wife. I love guacamole, and I love the church. Now, to anyone listening, you realize that I probably mean different things with that one word, love. If you think that I love guacamole with the same love that I have for my wife, you would be mistaken. While I love guacamole, in reality, what I say when I say I love guacamole is I really like guacamole. It's one of my favorite foods. I like to put it on burgers, and I like to eat it with chips. I'll do anything with it, right? It's so good. It's not quite the same thing when I say I love my wife Emily. When I say I love my wife Emily, it says I'm deeply committed to her. I love her with all my heart. I care for her. I have a connection to her, and I desire her deeply. That's a little bit different than the guacamole, isn't it? And if I say, I love my church, it's not just saying I love my church like I love guacamole, it's my favorite thing, no. And it's not the same love that I have for my wife, instead it's different. It's a love that says, I love that there is a committed group of Christ followers walking with me each and every day, trying to seek out the best way that they can live for God, that they can love their neighbors, and that they can lead people to Christ. It's all three different types of love, three different, really, ways. And in our language, there's only, only one word for it, love. When I started thinking about the sermons on which the Spirit dwells within us. Like last week, or two weeks ago, we read John chapter 20, and the Spirit was breathed into the disciples. And then this week, we read Acts chapter 2, and Jesus, or Jesus was already ascended to heaven at this point. And yet the Spirit comes again upon the disciples that are filled with the Spirit. Perhaps it makes us wonder, well, Well, why did the disciples receive the Spirit before Jesus ascended in John chapter 20? And then again in Acts chapter 2 after he ascended. 
What does that mean? Does it mean that they actually received the Spirit twice? Perhaps we're bewildered. Perhaps we we don't know what to make of this. And this comes back to the importance of of what language is and how to interpret words that are in Scripture. Much like Scripture has three words for love, Scripture actually has multiple words for the word filled. And we translate them all filled or full. The first one I'm going to talk is is a long-term state of being. It's being filled for a long term. And it's it's these words, play row and play race. And we can see them used this way. If, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to these, but I'm going to go through them rather quickly. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says this, And the child grew and became strong and filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So the wisdom that was filled was this long-term thing. Wisdom isn't something that just goes in your head right now, and then all of a sudden, in a minute from now, it's gone. But instead, this wisdom... Hey, everybody, we're back. Um, our camera died because uh, the cord we had it plugged into actually wasn't plugged into the wall. So we're learning all new things. And I think I have to figure out where I was. But we're at, uh, I think it's the first word that, first two sets of words that we're talking about. And it's play row and play race. And I was talking about how there's this child... And I'm talking about Jesus in Luke 2, who's growing in wisdom and, and, and knowledge. And he's being filled with that. And it's this long-term thing. It's not something that is short. And we see it elsewhere, too. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This Filling of joy and peace is a long-term joy. It's a, a long-term peace that isn't just momentary, there in a moment and, and then gone. And we see these words, play row and play race, used in regard to the Spirit as well. From Acts chapter 6, verse 5, talks about them choosing Stephen, a man who was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, a long-term fullness of Stephen having the Spirit within him. Acts 13.52, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's a long-term joy and a long-term filling of the Spirit. And then finally, Ephesians 5 18 to give us another example. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled, a long-term thing, with the Spirit. That long-term filling is that, that sanctifying work, that transformative work that the Spirit does within us each and every day as the Spirit dwells inside of us. It's long-term. It's going to happen the entire time of our life. And that's why Pastor Joel preached a sermon on that very thing. Sanctification. How how we turn from what is wrong and we start going a different direction by way of the power of the Spirit who is in us. Now to the second set of words. Words that refer to a short-term filling. The words are pletho and pimplemi. 
This type of filling would would correspond with the way we use words like in the English language like charged or or loaded or, or it's stuffed. Something is filled for a purpose and then there's an action, some event that would happen right after it. Like a, a bowl is filled, right? The bowl is filled to be emptied, likely. Here we read some uses not related to the Spirit. Matthew 27, verse 48. Immediately, this is when Jesus is is on the cross. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The sponge isn't always filled once it's been filled. It can be wrung out and emptied and filled back again. It can happen multiple times times. It's that short-term filling that's happening there. And then here in Luke chapter 5, so they motioned to their parents in the other boat to come help them. So there are some boats here. And, and they came and they filled the boat so that they began to sink. They filled the boats for a momentary time so the boats would end up sinking. The boats are not always going to potentially stay sunk. If the water is removed and they're lifted up, they would, they would no longer be that way. But we see this kind of action where there is a, a filling and then some type of action that follows. It's similar to what we would see in uh, the Old Testament with, with uh, the judges. That the judges would be empowered by the Spirit for a specific action. And once again, these words are, are used uh, in relationship to how the Spirit works as well. Acts 4, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said. So Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment, was given a message to bring to his people, to bring to the people who, who heard, who were there. And then once again, Acts 13, verse 9, but Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Spirit, looked intently at someone, and then he spoke. Once again, you see, you see Peter, and Peter being filled for a momentary period of time to be able to speak words that are perhaps coming from God, to speak a message in that point in time. A short filling. Perhaps you wonder, what is it that we read this morning then? What are the words that are are translated filled? Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Filled. Playroom. A short-term filling for a purpose. The Spirit came and, and filled the house for the purpose of coming and resting upon the disciples and filling them. So what is it then the disciples are filled with? Is it, is it that long-term or is it the short-term? Because we can see they're, they're both happening. Well, the disciples are filled, can play me, a short-term filling for an action. The action we see is is understanding and speaking languages that they had not known before. The disciples 
go forth and, and they begin speaking the words that God had given them through the power of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, all of these people from other nations that have gathered because of Pentecost now can hear them speaking in their own language. We don't see the disciples at that point in time being able to speak every other language as they go apart on their journey, but the Spirit empowered them in that moment that they would be able to speak in a way that people could understand. And we see both of these at play. Both the long term. When, when you become a Christian, the long term, the Spirit coming within you, right at conversion, that you may, may have faith in God, to arise faith in you, but also to work in your life, that you may learn to follow Him more and more. But we see the short term at play as well. As the Spirit will come upon you in certain moments in time to empower you for the work of ministry. To empower you for for God's mission. A mission of restoration. A mission of reconciliation. God's mission was, was to restore creation back to its created glory. To restore created order. To restore people to God. To restore people to people. That's the main historical reason that we would have the, the greeting time within church where we pass the peace of Christ with one another because we recognize that when we're restored to God, we too have been restored to other people. If we have received forgiveness to God, we extend that forgiveness and that reconciliation to others. And so we would greet them and we would say, may the peace of Christ be with you. Restoring to one another. Because it was Jesus who came into our life and, and it was Paul who said because of what Jesus has done in our life that that we are to break down the dividing walls of hostility, that Jesus does that for us. That those things that would keep us apart and cause us to butt heads and be angry with one another would, would somehow go away through Him. And it's unfortunate that we still see that today. Dividing walls of hostility keeping one another apart. Injustices that we see, yes, we saw it this last week, but it wasn't just this last week, was it? Injustices that we see and that we know people experience day in and day out. What do we do with that? We desire to see reconciliation. We desire to see restoration even in these areas. We desire to see God's love expressed. A love of people committed to following Jesus and working out in whatever way they can to do so. 
And so when we say we love the church, I think we actually say we love George Floyd. Perhaps you saw the video and Emily mentioned earlier that George Floyd was a Christian. He moved to Minnesota two years ago. But before that, he he spoke of breaking the cycle of violence of living in Houston in the Third Ward. He desired to see a change, a reconciliation happen in that area. A local pastor even called him a peacemaker, a person of peace who, who helped the gospel spread. Floyd, he did many things. He, he helped the church be able to lead services He hosted basketball tournaments and and community baptisms. He's even said that Floyd would push the baptism tub over in the middle of the projects because he says, whenever Jesus would get hold of you, there you could be and you could need to be baptized, right? Right there. Right in the middle of where they were, that community. He encouraged the young people in the area to put down their guns and to have Jesus instead. Sounds like the work of the Spirit empowering him for the mission of God, the mission of reconciliation, the mission of reconciliation between people and God, but also between people and other people. That's the same mission that you're empowered for. You're empowered each and every day in various ways. To stand up for injustice, or stand against injustice. To stand up for what is right. To stand up for reconciliation between people. And, and we're charged too to, to speak out. To speak out against anything and everything that opposes that. Anything that opposes the restoration of humanity and creation to God. To speak out against corruption, to speak out against selfish desires, to speak out against those who abuse and and neglect and take advantage of others, to speak out against division, and and we join the prophets in doing so. The Gems girls know this verse well. What does the Lord require of you? Micah 6 8. He has told you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you to do? to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And we charge that work to one group of people in the church, the deacons. This is, this is what it says in the charge to the deacons. It says, be compassionate to those who need, are in need and treat them with dignity and respect. Encourage with words that create hope in hearts and deeds which bring joy into lives. Be prophetic critics of waste, injustice, and selfishness in our society. And be sensitive counselors to the victims of such evil. I don't think that's just the work of the deacon. They may encourage us to do so. That's our work too. As ministers of the Gospel, as people who believe in Jesus Christ and follow Him, we too want that same reconciliation and restoration and joy to be brought into others' lives. We want waste and injustice to cease. 
want you to think a moment about these words. Words that Jesus spoke. He read them when he was in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I know that the Spirit is in you. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? The Spirit is in you and and the Spirit sanctifying you, but the Spirit empowers you for so much more than just your personal sanctification and transformation. The Spirit empowers more than just your personal holiness and your walk with Him. The Spirit empowers you for action and obedience to see the restoration come to fulfillment in our society today. To set free the oppressed in our society. To proclaim the good news who have not heard it yet. The Spirit empowers your voice to pierce through the deadening silence of this world. The Spirit empowers you to speak for those who are unable to speak for themselves or or for those who people no longer listen to you. He does it. He does it so that we make known those areas that need to be restored. The Spirit empowers you for moments like this to listen to hurting people. Not to give an answer, but but to respond in this way, I see you. I hear you. I feel your pain. I know you're hurting and you have been for so long. So ask this question of yourself. How is the Spirit empowering you today to respond to the invitation to bring restoration here to this world? Let's pray. Lord, We can read of brokenness every day. Brokenness not just in our our backyards, not just here in the United States, but brokenness all across the world as people are oppressed, as people are pressed down. So we pray for your Spirit's empowerment We know, we know that you work within us, but we pray too that your spirit would empower us each and every day that we could speak out and truly see restoration happen in this world. That we could truly see the dividing walls of hostility be broken down for good. And that people can be reconciled with one another. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.
as we go from this place, we go empowered by the Spirit, but also with the blessing of God. So hear these words. God, go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace this week to love and serve the Lord. Amen.